to hold and give Van Duren at the right time and the right time is now for the most prestigious of award ceremonies in the football world today. It is time for the Hold and Give Football Podcast Awards for the calendar year that was 2023. Dust off your best suits and dresses and whatever the hell you like to wear. As you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, I've certainly done that with my Newcastle United Castore training wear. Only the best for this prestigious award ceremony. And as you can see also, if you're watching on YouTube, the sheets are off the bed because I got a little bit excited last night at the prospect of this most prestigious of awards bollocks. Right, we'll get cracking with the knacking. When you disagree with something I say in this video, which is going to happen probably three or four, maybe five times, maybe even six, please let me know who you would give the award to instead in the comments section down below. We'll kick things off with the 2023 Team of the Year. I've got no fancy graphics. That's as good as it's going to get. Manchester City is the obvious answer. So Manchester City is the team I'm going to go for, of course, during the 2022-2023 campaign in the first five months of the... or six months of the year because the Champions League final was in June. They won the Premier League, the FA Cup and the Champions League to complete some kind of treble that the red half of Manchester might have done all the way back in 1999. Then in the second half of the season, the 23 24, the 24 half of the year, the 24, 23, 24 half of the year. My goodness me. They also added the UEFA Super Cup and the FIFA Club World Cup to that collection of trophies, making them the first English team to achieve such a feat in a single calendar year. And they are now the sixth European club of all time to do that. And that's not many teams in the history of football. As we all know, football started in 1992, which is like 31, 30, going on 32 years ago. So to say they're only the sixth team to do that in 32 years, it's an absolutely marvellous achievement. So Manchester City have got to be the team of the year. The football they play, all that bollocks, Akanji at the back, Ake at the back. John Stones in the hybrid role. You know what I'm talking about here. Manchester City, your team of the year for 2023. The goal of the year we move on to now. Few shout outs before I hand out the award to the one you're probably expecting me to hand it out to. Harry Kane's halfway line goal for Bayern Munich against Darmstadt on match day nine of the Bundesliga campaign. What a ping it was. Alexis McAllister at home to Fulham, where he pings it and swazzes it into the top corner with great aplomb. Then we've got Enciso for Brighton and Hove Albion, those two teams that play on the same time at the whatever. Uh, that ping he did in the top corner. At home to Manchester City at the tail end of last season, down at Brighton, not at the Etihad, at the Brighton Stadium, up the, whatever it's called these days, is it still the Amex? I don't know what my name is, but also a massive shout out to an underdog, an unheralded hero in the goal of the year category Sandro Wolfinger is his real name, which basically should be given name of the year, I think. Wolffinger, uh, for his goal against Lichtenstein, uh, for Lichtenstein, I should say, against Bosnia and Herzegovina. My God, search it out. What a hat, son. What a hat. But of course, the goal of the year has got to be down to one person, one person only. And I've got to give the award to Garnacho for his bicycle kick at Everton away. So if you're watching on YouTube, the ball... 
look look at me hand up there. The ball, well, that's that's as far as I can get me hand up, and it's still being frame. The ball wasn't even there. The ball was like right over there. Yet for some reason, as I nearly spit everywhere at the sheer disbelief of what I'm talking about, he um he, he decided to go for a bicycle kick when I think nine out of ten players, maybe even ten out of ten players, on a day that wasn't that day. Maybe if the same situation presented itself to Garnacho on a different day, he would have done something different. I reckon if you're a footballer, you're just thinking, wow, that's really high. There's no chance I'm going to get a foot, let alone a head, on that ball. Let's just make sure I try and meet it on the first bounce before it skids off the turf because it's in the winter-ish and it goes out to play for a throw-in. But he says, no, I'll throw a leg up and I'll make the sweetest connection of all the connections. Uh, Japanese train-like the connection was there. I don't know what I've seen. I've just, they're on time all the time, aren't they? And you get the train, you connect the... Really good, really good punditry from Ross there. Uh, Really, really good. Yeah, we'll just sit and linger on that one for a second. But no, that's the thing that sets it apart from Wayne Rooney for me is the fact that he makes such sweet connection. Mika Richards, believe me or not, he always says, oh, well, (laughs) Rooney always gets it off his shin. That laugh he does, which I can't do. Uh, But Garnaccio was straight off the foot. Could we say that maybe a goalkeeper with normal size arms would have saved the shot? Potentially, because Pickford does get very close and he does have little T-Rex arms, doesn't he? Um, But no, it's, it's the goal of the year. It might even be the goal of the decade we're, and we're only four my god we're in the fourth year now <laughs> we're all gonna be dead soon twat of the year this was a difficult award to give maybe i should give it to me after that japanese train metaphor i've just tried to say that for the, the great connection that was garnacho's goal at everton away luis rubiales of course has got to be a main contender for his behavior following spain's world cup win in the women's world cup and ultimately um everything that happened coming out of the tournament how he just wouldn't go away because he clearly had done something wrong eventually of course that all resulted in a three-year ban from football but the whole process after the fact he did it in the first place what a twat but i tell you what it's a late comer to the race but it's december the 28th as i'm sat here and he's still going on joey barton and this sexist tirade against the lasses involved in football he's still going and the fact he is still going all these weeks later means i've got to give him the twat of the year, twat of the year award it's an argument it's not even an argument. It's a thing that he should have stopped doing. He should have knocked it on the head after he used Courtney Sweetman, uh, Sweetman Kirk's comments against her for that endo goal at home to Fulham where he said, oh, as everyone knows there, you whatever he said, I can't remember. I've not written it down. I'm not, I'm not going to misquote someone, Joey Parton. But basically, she said exactly what anyone would have said about endo's composure. In that moment there for that goal against Fulham, he tried to use her quotes against her, but completely misquoted her. He should have ended his argument there because Egg was all over his face, in his hair, up his ass, all that kind of stuff there. But then he keeps going, he keeps going, he keeps going. And just the base of the argument is like, oh... They've never played that level of the men's game. Therefore, they shouldn't be commentating on it. Well, if that's the case, as we all know, Mika Richards, going back to Big Meeks himself, he fronts the best coverage in all of football and they do the Champions League over on CBS. I'll follow them on YouTube. It's absolutely fantastic to watch the day after the game. You lucky American arseholes. Um, but uh, the fact that M- Mika Richards never played in the latter stages of the Champions League than Joey Barton clearly means that Mika Richards should be taken off the commentary and replaced by, I don't know, Vladimir Schmitzer.
I don't know why I picked Vladimir Schmitzer, but he has won a Champions League. But you know what I'm trying to say? It's just it's it's not even an argument. It's just I can't believe he's still going. He's cost himself jobs in football in the future, no doubt. Because I know it wasn't going that well from as a football manager, but he had a, a slight reputation. It would there would have been another job in the football league at the very least from. But he's just put paid to all of that by making himself look like a massive. Bigoted twat. We'll go for that. Joey Barton, your twat of the year. I can't believe he's still going. Most improved player of the year for 2023. A few honourable mentions before we get on to the award winner himself. Douglas Louise at Aston Villa. It just feels like he's... He's graduated. Is that the right word? He's just... He's... he's, he's Gone from being sort of deep-lying midfielder to an all-action midfielder. He's gone from being a Javier Mascherano type to a Steven Gerrard type for Aston Villa under Unai Emery. It's been fantastic to see. He's a must-have in FPL, so Douglas Luiz is in the running for me. Solly March has finally uh, added an end product to his game, which has dropped off towards the end of the year, I must concede. But for the first, you know, three quarters of the year, maybe it felt like maybe even just a half of the year. It felt like he added an end product to his game, which had been missing for all of it. So fair play to Solly March. And I've got to say, as a Newcastle fan, Anthony Gordon, the Anthony Gordon who arrived at Newcastle from Everton looking sheepish, I guess we'll say, and not very good at football. He is long gone now and has become one of, well, he's been Newcastle's best player this season, along with Bruno Gimaraes. So the improvement there after a pre-season under Eddie Howe cannot be gone unnoticed. But my award winner, superseding anything those four, uh, three lads have done there. So yes, we've got a... a, a a slightly less than bronze, a bronze, a silver, a gold, and then a platinum. As how it goes, I don't know about the Olympics anymore. Uh, that's obviously not how it goes, Ross, but you know what I'm trying to say. Dominic Solanke, let's just crack on with the, the not bollocks part of it. The improvement he has shown at Bournemouth this season as Bournemouth have taken a little bit of time to get going under their new manager this season after the departure of Gary O'Neill. I've just got his numbers up here. In the Premier League for Bournemouth, so it goes 18-19 season, 10 appearances, no goals. 19-20 season, 32 appearances, three goals. Then we drop down at the championship. Let's just disregard. Well, no, let's let's say them because that's how we got back on track, really. And the 2021 campaign, 40 appearances in the championship, 15 goals. The 21-22 campaign, 46. He played every game in the championship, 29 goals in that season. Then he comes back to the Premier League last season, of course. 33 appearances, six goals. You're thinking, oh, he's a Dwight Gale type, a Robbie Earnshaw type, who's uh, too good for the champ. Well, yeah, too good for the championship, but not good enough for the Premier League that we had no man's land in the middle of the both leagues but this season so far as we all know 18 appearances in the league 12 goals he is fulfilling the potential that obviously Liverpool saw way back when when they signed him from Chelsea I think it was and it's been nice to see he's 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 the, he's the type of centre-forward you want in your team. He's mobile. He's big. He's got a great touch for a big man. Book of cliches, page 32. Um, but it's it's it's... It's all coming It's all coming up Millhouse, basically, with Dominic Solanke this season after many years of threatening to do just that. So the fact it is, the fact of what he was last season compared to this season, is it the new manager and the way he maybe plays a different brand of, fo- brand of football to Gary O'Neill? I would probably say yes, it is. So the fact that he's gone through that transformation this year, Dominic Solanke is my most improved player of the year for 2023. From the good to the bad, the worst signing of the year in 2023. 23. I could name just about anybody. Excuse me. I could name just about anybody from Chelsea in this list, but there's one standout for me, and it comes from January this year, and it's got to be Jorginho Ruta 
from Hoffenheim to Leeds at the January transfer window. As we all know, back then, Leeds were struggling. We're gearing up, we're gearing up for give it to Big Sam till end of season at Elland Road after Jesse March was being an unbearable... Jesse Marsh, I should say. Not March. at Solly March and Jesse Marsh. Uh, he was being an unbearable twat on the touchline <laughs> and not a very good manager and just a not likeable character at all, I thought, in my opinion. So, Leeds turned to Jorginho Ruta for £24.8 million. And you must be thinking, wow, this guy must have a great track record on the continent for somebody. Well, Hoffenheim in Germany, obviously. But during the 2022-23 campaign, the first half of it, 15 Bundesliga appearances, two goals. That's what Leeds paid £24.8 million for to save their season, which ultimately did not work because they went down. So far, four Leeds this year. He's made 11 appearances in the Premier League before they got relegated, obviously. 11 uh, uh, no goals from those appearances. And then in the Championship so far, 19 appearances has wielded Four goals, which makes his total record four leads, including cup appearances as well. He scored no goals in three cup appearances as well. Uh, 31 appearances, four goals, relegation, load of crap. 24.8 million. Uh, I guess you could argue that Caicedo at Chelsea, just the fact he costs so much money and has done so little, he's got to be one of the worst signings of the year. But I just think Chelsea didn't pin all of the hopes on Caicedo, and Leeds did pin all their hopes, it felt like, to an outsider looking inwards, of course, on Jorginho Ruta, and it did not work. So he's got to be my worst sign of the year, because as we're stood here now, Chelsea won't go down this season. Famous last words, I know. Manager of the year. Now, of course, you'd think it would be Pep Guardiola, because he won the lot, and he finally got that elusive Champions League that every man and their dog uh, has been saying he should have won for Manchester City a long time before now. But just in the interest of scattering these awards about a bit and not giving it to the same club, club, in Rafa Benitez's words, of course, I'm going to lump Pep Guardiola in with the team of the year award because he is part of that team. The management team goes with the playing staff. It all makes sense. I could then be given the manager of the year for 2023 to Gary O'Neill for the wonderful job he did at Bournemouth. We all go back to that game at Anfield in 2022, 9-0. Scott Parker, we can't compete. I don't know what I'm doing with my face. It's just when you speak like a cockney, it always feels like you're in pain when you look at the faces. Uh, <laughs> I think Scott Parker wanted to get sacked because he wasn't backed in the summer transfer window. So Gary O'Neill, his first job in management, uh, picks up the slack there and just guides Bournemouth to a fantastic finish in the Premier League. This season at Wolves, the way he came in, I think I recorded my pre-season predictions on the 8th of August, and that was the day that Lopetegui left Wolves and Gary O'Neill came in so it was just basically when the season was starting and nobody gave uh, Wolves a chance and he's worked wonders and they've had fantastic home results especially against likes of Manchester City and other teams of that ilk so it could have been him I guess he would be second place the fact I'm not giving it to Pep and I am giving it to somebody else but my manager of the year for 2023 has got to be Unai Emery of Aston Villa when he took over Aston Villa they were in 12th position on 18 points. This was November of 22, so just about 23, but not really. But it, it, it bears worth mentioning just because that's where they came from compared to where they are now. 18 points they were on when he took over. Or was this, this was at the start of the year, sorry, on New Year's Day. 18 points they were on, which was five points above Wolves in the bottom three. And now... 
we've come to the end of the year. They've topped their group in the Europa Conference League. We've got to wait for that playoff bollocks to happen before we find out who they then get in the Europa Conference League. But also in the Premier League, they are... Well, where are we? They're third on nine, uh, played 19, won 12, drawn three, lost four, scored 40, conceded 25. They are three points off the top of the table. The football they're playing is scintillating. Emery has completely banished any memory, any Emery, <laughs> any memory of his time at the Arsh new and the conceived sort of football he would be playing there. Get this as well as Aston Villa manager. I know this is from, you know, the 1st November 2022, but he has a 60% win record as Aston Villa manager. That's like, you know, teams of your, 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 your Manchester City sort of level, you're getting 60. Real Madrid, you're getting 60% win records. And Unai Emery's got this with Aston Villa. Just to show the, the turnaround as well towards the end of last season, they were 12th at New Year's Day. They then finished the season on 61 points from that 18 points on New Year's Day excuse me, uh, to finish seventh in the league. They were a point off the Europa League. They were just 10 points off the Champions League in the end, despite having a terrible start of the season under Stevie Gerrard. So Unai Emery, the job he's done there, the football he's playing there, it's got to be him for my manager of the year for 2023. From manager of the year, we go to match of the year. I realised I was forgetting to do them. So there you go. I'm sure that makes the awards ceremony worth watching or listening to. Uh, Match of the year, which is what has been the best football Football match in 2023. If you want to go on a pure liquid football basis, I've got to mention Manchester City 4, Real Madrid 0. That was football on steroids from Manchester City, one of the most complete performances I've ever seen in all my years of watching football. For classic Barclays, unadulterated Barclays, I know it's not called the Barclays Premier League anymore, but if you're a fan of my vintage, you'll understand what classic Barclays means. Chelsea 4, Manchester City 4. Um, it was a classic of a game. It was the Cole Palmer scoring a stoppage time penalty against his former club. Uh, the goal the spills, the thrills, all that sort of stuff had everything but a red card, I believe. Did it have a red card? I can't remember. But it was a fantastic game all the same back in November. But the game that stands out on top of all for me this year, just because of the story, this is Roy of the Rover stuff. I don't know. Book of Clichés, page 16 for Roy of the Rovers, if you don't know what it means. Basically, it's the wet dream we all have when we're a little boy <laughs> and we dream of growing up to be a professional footballer. Genk 2, Royal Antwerp 2 on the final day of the season, the most dramatic, some might say, in recent football history. Genk, to set the table for you, needed to win, and for Union at St. Gilles, I hope I've said that right, to lose against Club Bruges, whereas Royal Antwerp just needed to avoid defeat. With Club Bruges on the way to victory over Union St. Gilles, Gilles, St. Gilles, and Genk winning, uh, uh, Genk leading Antwerp 2 1, heading into stoppage time, the title it looked destined for Genk. However, Antwerp needed just one goal to turn things in their favour and remember the name. Of course you do. It's Toby Alderweireld of Southampton and Spurs and other teams' fame, Belgium, all those sort of stuff. He arrowed, and it, it, that's, that's the word, because he sort of, he centre of goal about 20 yards out, maybe 22 yards out, and he pings this, and it's just like a straight arrow. No deviation on the ball whatsoever. Pings it into the top corner for his boyhood club, to clinch their first ever league trophy, league title, in 66 years. My God, 
Could you write a better script? I do not think so. So that has got to be my match of the year because the implications, the goal score at the end, that's what we like football for, isn't it? I know it's overseas and whatnot, so it's maybe not as heralded as stuff in the Premier League and other, you know, the bigger European leagues um, around around Europe, obviously. Um, but just that story there, Toby going back to his childhood club in the, the latter years, the latter stages of his career. How can it not be that game? I'm sure you'll tell me in the comments section down below. But that, for me, is the game of the year. And we round things off with these Holding Give Football Podcast Awards for 2023 with the 2023 Player of the Year, the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> I don't know why I said that like that. It's got to be one player, hasn't it? It's Erling Braut. Harland. He ended his first season with Manchester City in the middle of this year, of course, with 52 goals, including 36 Premier League goals, breaking a record that was untouched since 1995. So far this season, even though he's lost or missed the last few games, obviously through injury, he's got 14 goals and he's still the top goal scorer as of me sitting here chatting towards your ears right now. He's won the lot on top of that. Maybe if the year of Jude, well, maybe if Jude Bellingham's Real Madrid form stretched before his time at Real Madrid, maybe he was going to be my player of the year. He probably will be the player of the year for 2024, the way he's going. My God, he's unbelievable. Imagine if he gets a Euros for England. Come on now. I mean, of course he won't because Gareth will be too negative, but that's besides the point. Uh, but Erling Brautarland, record breaker on all counts. Remember when people were saying, oh, Manchester City will be a worse team with him in it. Oh, it doesn't work. Him being the, the focal point of a front line that's so mobile. Oh, he doesn't fit. Load of bollocks, wasn't it? 52 goals in his first season, 14 this season. Erling Braut Haaland has got to be the player of the year for 2023. So there we have it. That was the Holding Give Football Podcast Awards for this calendar year. Please let me know how much you disagree with my picks in any comment section you have around the world. But also, I've got to say a massive thank you for lending me your ears and consuming the content that's been provided on the Holding Give Football channel. I'm well aware it's not what I want it to be, but... It's what it has to be at the moment because it is a spare time thing for me and I do have a full-time job on top of this and I do have a life to lead and a partner to take care of and other responsibilities outside of that as well. So we're doing the best we can with the con- well, with the, with the time afforded. Hopefully, I've got a couple of ideas to spring upon you in 2024 that will see the channel grow and grow and grow. But I need to just say thank you for getting in on the ground level this year in 2023. Hopefully, well, there will be more content in 2024 i've got a scheduled iron out and it will be decent hopefully famous last words before something buggers it all up but, but yes it's just thank you very much for giving us a chance i know it's not what i'm known for but i like football i'm passionate about football and hopefully that's uh conveyed in these videos that we do on this channel so thank you very much for watching thank you for listening to this one normal service resumes i believe next week what the hell's the date next wednesday thursday time i don't even know maybe we'll see what happens we do have a lot of derby content uh because it is newcastle united versus sunderland in the fa cup on the 6th of january so me and dan heppel uh one of the resident mackums in the in the in the cultaholic office we've got a couple of bits of content where we'll just 
have a beer and argue and then fight and then shag afterwards. It'll be lovely, wholesome, northeast football content. So that's to look forward to next week. But that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you have a fantastic new year and all that sentimental bollocks. I've been Ross Tweddle from that holding give, and I'll see you very soon. <laughs>